don't fast forward this part. There's an important message that we're about to tell you. Well, we're giving away some shit. Well, yeah. so so check this out. There's two things that are happening right now. Number one, when this airs, you're going to have a few hours left of our 50% off MAPS Anabolic uh, Super Sale. So MAPS Anabolic is our foundational program. And we revamped it, by the way. New video demos, uh, crisper, cleaner. Squeaky clean. Handsomer. Yeah. Uh, it's MAPS Anabolic yeah, you look better this time. 2.0. And it's half off, 50% off. This will be ending within a few hours of this initially airing here. Here's part two. This is exciting now. Two, believe it or not, two of our most more popular programs that we offer uh, at mindpumpmedia.com. Uh, number one is the No BS six-pack formula. We don't talk about it a ton on the show, which is kind of shocking as to yeah. why it's so popular. It's one of those word-of-mouth Programs. I think a lot of people like having awesome abs. I mean, let's be honest. And it, and it really tackles that particular area with sound science and exercise programming. It's not, it dispels all the myths. The, you got to do high reps for your abs all the time, and it's a completely different muscle and train it differently. Yeah. We will teach you how to train your abs in a way that'll actually help develop your abs. Now, why yeah. would you want to develop your abs? Because when your abs are more muscular, they stick out more. You see them more at higher body fat percentages. Uh, I've had people, uh, tons of people who've done the program who were lean, who struggled to really have a visible six-pack at 10% body fat, not get any leaner, just follow the no BS six-pack formula, and then they had more visible abs. I've also gotten comments with people who said that they've got a six-pack when they flex, but they didn't have a six-pack when they didn't flex. Well, now that they've developed their abs with the no BS six-pack formula... It actually, uh, it actually shows when they're relaxed. It stays there. And the second program that's getting a lot of, that's been popular that we don't talk about much is our occlusion guide. Occlusion training, it's an advanced technique, but it's one of those things that if, you're, uh, if you've been working out for a little while and you want to add one small new technique to your repertoire, um, this one will give you visible results in a very short period of time, especially in your weak body parts. It's great for calves. It's great for arms. It's a good tool to always just kind of have and go towards. Uh, it is, and uh, we teach you how to do it properly with the occlusion guide. So here's what's going to happen. No BS six-pack formula and occlusion guide. You get them for free if you enroll in our Super Maps bundle. The Super Maps bundle has Maps Anabolic, Maps Performance, Maps Aesthetic, Maps Anywhere, and Maps Prime. It is absolutely by far our most complete bundle. It will That's set you up. It'll set you up forever, basically where you have all the programs you need to exercise and train. They all got tons of exercise demos. They all come with uh, blueprints and, gu- and, and sample guides. And basically, it's all you need. The Super Maps bundle has got everything. And now it has the No BS six-pack formula and the occlusion guide, which we're going to throw in for absolutely And now free. we have the YouTube channel that we have that's complementing all those exercises. So you go to our YouTube channel, Mind Pump TV, and you'll find a huge library of exercises where we've actually started to put the logo of whatever program you're currently going through so you can interchange different exercises uh, with that program so it complements whatever program you're doing. So if you've already gone through the program once or twice, that's why Sal said it's all you'll ever need. It yeah, is, and really our goal is to get as close to, be able to being able to personal train people mm-hmm. as possible. And I think we're, we're further than most people and we're going to continue to go further. So again, Super Maps Bundle. It's got all the Maps programs. Like every Maps. You know who has more uh, Maps than this, probably? Who? Magellan. Mage- <laughs> That's probably it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, you can find all these programs 
at mindpumpmedia.com. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Have you guys ever been outside in a situation and been presented with accidental porn? What? What? Yeah. That doesn't Ac- make sense. Accidental. Oh, like, yes, it does. Like from somebody else? No, 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 no. no. It makes per- when I tell you the story, then you'll understand what's going somebody on. Somebody has presented well, accidental porn. Pump to the brakes. Well, here, I, mean, I named it that because here's what's happening. Yeah, give what me happened. a better Because yeah, I'm pretty that. sure at some point in your lives you've seen accidental porn. Mm. So I was at the store and uh, there was a young lady, mm-hmm. quite attractive, walking to her car and she had like a kind of a like a dress on because it's been it's been it's been warm rather mm. warm recently and warm. uh she's walking by I'm and hearing the music and there's a car there's a dude a car with two dudes driving by wow and both and they had to kind of stop wow, wow, to get out wow. of it out of the parking lot yeah and both of them are just like watching her right so i'm cracking up because they're watching hey, this girl they're, yeah they're watching this girl Walk by it. It's just Show hilarious. Show me them titties, girl. Because and then, you know, you, of course, guys are like, oh, what, what, what do they call us dogs? Because we act like dogs. So yeah. they're watching her walk, and it's it. It was just like it's almost like you know. I know I don't talk about or I don't. I'm not necessarily like I don't believe in like the things you guys believe in. Like oh, there's God. Oh, and all I see. Like, okay. But oh, at so, we're, sometimes we're, we're, I, we're separate here. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> I think to myself like. This wasn't. This was definitely an act of a higher power. Like something. Hmm. This is not one of those. This is not by chance. So now you're bring, why, why are you bringing Jesus into this? This is we're talking about porn. I don't know so if it's Jesus. I don't know. So conflicted. Well, because let me tell you what happened. Like, I'm I'm looking, and these dudes are looking. I'm cracking up because the car now in front of them is gone. They're still sitting there, like stuck. Hmm. And the perfect gust of wind came, and uh. bro, it blew her fucking dress. Over her head, wow. like it didn't just like flutter. It like went poor girl over her head. Oh wow! Okay, but it, this is the best part. Was now. this recent? This happened to you? This is crazy. Yeah. How are wow. we just getting this story right so now? This just happened. The, to you? The, it blew over her head. So it was like a Marilyn Monroe no, dude, kind because, of situation. No, 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 this no, is no, what it's like that. What movie was that? Where she walks over the vent yeah, and it yeah, blows yeah. the dress right. up. Right. So what, is, what movie? Was she so let me ask you guys. Cute let me, she's like, so let me ask you guys this. You, pretty woman. You guys are. You guys are. Are you guys have some expertise in physics or at least a basic understanding of physics? Yeah, we're all scientists. It would require for a dress to flip over your fucking head it would require wind from the ground coming up right mm-hmm. she didn't walk over a vent or anything wind mm. is coming sideways at the best i don't understand the Who, physics who's got of this. the wind machine i don't that's what i'm saying it yeah. feels like an angel <laughs> went underneath and and, and lifted just, just breathed yeah underneath because <laughs> it went over her head bro and, and made it happen like over her fucking head poor girl hmm. and she had no underwear on what? Oh, there was nothing there. You lie. I'm not lying. You lie through your G. face right now. I OMG. I, I'm going to do this one of these things right here where you clap and talk. I am not lying. You're, no. You argue, I am yeah. not. When yeah. people argue like that, so yeah. annoying. Yeah. But the wind blew it over her head. Nothing was on. And because it's over her head and she had the cart, the poor girl, it took her at least two seconds to figure this out. Like, oh, oh shit. And she grabbed it and pulled it down. And... <laughs> I immediately look at these guys, and the looks did on they their crash. The looks on their faces was like, like, did, like what? Like they just saw, 
Like yeah. a, uh, they just saw like a, a a paralyzed man start to walk or some kind of miracle. Yeah, yeah, you know what it I mean. Was, yeah. Well, like, okay, they saw like Lazarus came back from the dead. Like she... something like that, that. Just and then they look at me and we all make eye contact. And you guys know guy code, right? Yeah. When something like that, I don't know who these fucking. Oh, this is like a this is like a silent well, fist bump in the. Like, let's be honest, your mouth was probably this big. I was just like, what's this? What just happened here, right? Yeah. I look at the guys and we all look at your eyes are like. Everybody's looking at each other, and then every, and then they give me the nod like. We've like we've all just bonded over this very like, strange. Dude, we don't need to say anything. Yeah, right, right now. Never it's like you all saw a UFO together and it's just like I saw that. We don't need like, to tell uh, anybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, let's just keep this to ourselves. Yeah, no one's gonna believe us. And they drove off. Like I don't believe you right now. But yeah. I, is she? And I felt attractive. She she was attractive enough to where the guys <laughs> the guys were the guys were staring at her before yeah. this miracle happened. They were already watching her. I had a miracle like that. What, how was See, I knew it. I knew yeah. it would spark something because I did. You never forget a moment when we like that. We were playing pool, and uh, you know this girl was like, um, you know, she was she was going for a shot and everything, and then she see. Here's the thing though, like she wasn't wearing underwear. And she was wearing a skirt. I feel like this was pre-planned. You know, like it was one of those things. Like eventually, like enough guy. Like we were all sitting in the corner, and we're doing our thing, playing pool, minding our own business. And then just out of the corner, you have this like sensor that goes off. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just like this strange thing in the air. It's like it just. Yeah, scientists are actually studying this at the moment. Yeah, or at least they should be. It's like an extra. It's like the seventh sense. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and like so, bending over and like you know just out corner. We all just like looked over and like wait. It had to register first. So she's just bent over the table playing pool. There was nothing, and you could see the entire. Situation yeah, happened. It was, it was very like we had to take a, a big breath after that. Like, <gasps> you know, and then so we, let me, we kept playing. So let me ask you this uh, because God, the power that women have, it's crazy. Well, so it's when amazing. this happened, it's amazing how they can, the, the fact that we even sit here and we talk about all this stuff that we like, there's no uh, yeah. women aren't sitting around to, oh my God, did you see that time? Did you see that guy? <laughs> yeah, right. He was bulging. Yeah. yeah. No, they do talk about <laughs> that they do, stuff. They do. Dude, they I, will, do. I will get confirmation because there's that. like, yeah. you know, there's some dude that's, you know, he's got the pants that are just like, just smothering it. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's like, <laughs> why'd you, gra- why you grab down your leg when you did that? <laughs> yeah, that's, like, a, that's a big hog. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, trouser trout. Like, they're, it's, it's pronounced. <laughs> Stuffs, they're stuff, sock stuffers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they t- tell me they don't talk about that stuff. <laughs> Adam's bubbling his words now. Yeah, yeah. Excited. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. I, I, yeah. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they, oh, yeah. I don't think they really do. Not like guys do. There would, this is how a girl would talk dude, about it. Dude, you say that. A girl dude. would be I, like, uh, oh my God, no. this guy was like walking yeah. and his pants came down, his did dick hang out. Oh, it's so gross. Totally that? different. No, yeah. they, they have another code, but it's a code but, nonetheless. But when I'm, so here's the thing, like it's accidental porn because I've seen a naked butt probably a quadrillion times. I just made that number up, but it's a hmm. lot. There's a lot of times I've seen it. It's nothing I've never seen before, but because it was on accident and in yeah. public. Well, you're not trying to be a creep or anything no. and be like, no. No, like, it just shove your head. It under just there happened. Or I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Why have it I just, been, like, been pre- presented? Well, it's with like this? the difference of uh, being a holiday, your birthday, and when someone gets you a gift out of the blue. There's nothing cooler than like you know July <laughs> July seventeenth. <17th. laughs> You know, could you imagine, like, you come to the studio July 17th, Everybody buys me something. and I got awesome. you a laptop and just said, hey, bro, this is for you. 
is wow. for you. Just because I like it, you. Because it's July you, 17th. You, that right there would be so much more powerful than if I bought it so for your birthday. So do you think God did that at the, when I saw that? Well, I believe that. I know I know. you. Yeah. So you think God was like, hey, uh, yeah, buddy, I, this is for you. He, spe- want, he wanted to cheer you up a little bit. Yeah. 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 I mean, Especially when he likes you. He likes you. That's, now, you ever have that's a, kind of like a you, fist bump You've been bump doing good things. <laughs> like now, a little, got you, bro. Now, yeah. you ever have a sneak peek. You ever have a situation like this where you're almost like, you're conflicted on what's going to happen? Like, you ever seen a woman like, this is horrible, by the way. She's gonna like breastfeed, and she pulls out her boob, but you're not expecting it. Whoa. So you're like, yeah, like it's a very conflicting. Like, what do I like? I can't. No, like, it's an invite for you. Well, no, it's just you feel like, <laughs> no, it's, like you just can't. it's strange. Is she, is she pulling her you nipple pull out back. for me right you now? Pull no, back. No. It's just, it's just very like, what pull the fuck? back. Because nobody does that here. You know? It's only weird yeah. when she makes eye contact with you when she does back. that. <laughs> 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 she's, she's pulling it out to feed her baby, yeah, but God. she's looking at you God. across just, the room. That's, that's I, different. It happened to me not that long ago because in this country, women don't necessarily do that in public. You don't see it. Now, you go to Europe. That shit happens everywhere. It's not a big deal. And I'm the oldest of four. My mom, you know, she breastfed my siblings in front of me all the time. It wasn't a big deal. But it happened here recently where this woman was sitting down and she picked up her baby to hold it and she just pulled it out. She and whipped it, that titty out. Yeah, and you're just not expecting it. And I immediately like turned around. Like I felt, oh, yeah, you know, very yeah. uncomfortable. But well, then it's like, it's what are you going to no, do? It's, it's normal. It's you're feeding fun. your baby. It, Who gives a shit? Yeah, no, you know it's totally I mean? normal. Like, God bless you. Do your thing. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but just, it's just, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, what is that called? Double standard? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. You can't just pull my, yeah, hey, I can't, I can't I'm just going to Yeah, why can't we piss behind buildings anymore? I don't know. You know man. I mean, like, I feel it's like a sex it's a, crime now. Yeah, were we able? Were I feel we like ever it's able just to sexism do that? towards men. I feel like yeah, we, we got away with it for for quite a quite a long time there. <laughs> if you do it now, <laughs> or maybe I did. I don't know. This is how <laughs> this is how fucked up our laws are. If you do it now, you're going to get on a list. Yeah, definitely don't do list. it near a school. That is, it is kind of weird how they don't separate that on Megan's law, right? It's yeah. Megan's law, right? Isn't it? Oh Megan? yeah, that's uh, no, no, no. Not all joking aside, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. no, 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 no. It is true. Yeah, if you're hammered and you take a piss with your, you know, that's real stuff. Caught, they go. You go on a sex offender list. Well, and what's crazy if you ever go, if you've ever been on Megan's Law before, because we used to, this, we found this uh, interesting. I mean, we every night. Gym. If you work at a gym, actually, <laughs> just is checking. I'm just there. like, oh, we who's used the to, creepy fuck? We used to do it all up. the time. We used to pull up and see how many were around. There's actually way more than you would think. But what they don't do is they don't uh, they don't tell you the offense. Mm. So you don't know if it was some poor dude who actually made the mistake of peeing outside and it was half a mile from a park and so he's on there, you know. So or it was some real serious some shit. Bad person. Yeah, they don't they don't like categorize. Them. No, it's like, and it's, I would like to know if my neighbor well, is like just a, a drunk outside peer or he's really like chasing how children. How awkward is it? You know, when, like when, that's a big deal. When to we me. actually uh, know somebody that was on there, yeah, and then no, we're I like, oh, yeah, that, that's what that I mean. was awkward. I was wait, I yeah. had a, yeah, I had a trainer who worked for me, and his dad was on there. Okay, you're gonna go there. Well, yeah, I won't say a name. Jesus okay, Christ, sure. I've had I've had oh hundreds God. hundreds of trainers work for me. So go ahead, take a guess. Okay, but I I did, and it was like it was like. No, I never. Yeah, this is the most I ever spoke about it. So now millions know. So uh, <laughs> good luck trying to figure out who it was. I mean, but he he worked for me for years, and we we're uh, buddies. And I don't even remember how it came up. In fact, I think actually I do know. One of my trainers uh, was pointing out somebody who was walking the gym. They're like, "Hey, do you know that guy was, you know, got in trouble for this?" And I was like, "No way." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah get on Megan's Law Watch." And we pulled him up. Yeah. We were on there looking at that guy who had just came in, and up pops my fucking trainer's dad yeah wow and i'm like oh shit and that was when i like started like diving in and try and you 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 don't know what you didn't i think they tell you when the offense happened like i can't remember i remember it was quite a while before that like maybe 
five, seven years or something like that. But you don't know. Like you don't yeah. know what the offense exactly is. And uh-huh. I do know that you can get on there for some pretty, you know, misdemeanor type bullshit. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, there was this one kid I read about. I'm not 100% accurate or, or sure on the details, but he, him and his girlfriend were dating. She was 16. He was 17. He turned 18. And I guess the parents of the girl didn't like him or whatever and went after him for statutory rape because she was under 18. And then he had to register. So <sighs> now it was something like that. Like it was a one or two year difference, which isn't that big when you're that young. you know? Yeah. Like she was 16 and to turn 17. He had just turned 18, something like that. And because of the law, now he's a sex offender because he slept with a minor. But they were like dating. Oh, that's brutal. Fucked up, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's brutal. That's fucked up. But for the most part, uh, it's a good thing, I guess. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's good to know, yeah. you know where all the freaks are out there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Where's the bird? Ah, where's the bird? being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. First up is Big Man James. <laughs> Recommended exercises for the quadratus lumborum and multifidus. I don't know how you say that. Of course. That's why I call it QL. Hey, listen, assholes. You guys let me put the questions in the lower back by the SI joint. Yeah, Yeah, that's absolutely nothing. All lower back related. So, So, okay, so uh, quadratus lumborum, uh, otherwise referred to as the QL. Uh, is a muscle um, that is involved with kind of side extension and flexion. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's attached to the back, but it's on the side. There's two of them, right, on each sides of your body, and they attach at the the top of your pelvis. Yeah. And a lot of times, people's low back pain can be rooted in this particular muscle. Now they're talking about having pain in their lower back by their SI joint. The SI joint is the sacroiliac joint. So. I want to explain to the people who don't know where this is. If you go to your lower back at the bottom, kind of near towards the bottom part of your spine where it meets your pelvis, right along the sides, you'll feel two kind of nodules or two kind of you know bony protrusions. Those both are where the SI joint are. It's where the pelvis and the spine meet on either side. And people will have, oftentimes have low back pain there. And a lot of times you'll see imbalances on these these both sides. In particular, believe it or not, people who deadlift a lot with a mixed grip mm. can many times create an imbalance between right and left because that slight, you know, change slight in the change of recruitment pattern that's gonna create that much of a difference, huh? It'll it, it's well, a, it's a, a slight ex- enough difference to where over time a perfect oh, right, example right, right. was the the video I did of deadlifting just recently. If you look real closely, you see a slight asymmetrical shift. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt it, I could see it, you know, and it was but that's uh I mean God because well, you'll favor especially one one grip versus the other. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I could see that happening. There's other there's to me there's 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 a lot more factors that come into play though with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a bold statement to yeah. say it's from that because Well, yeah. I mean you you It go, can come from a lot of Yeah, there's a lot of things yeah. that could be it can, Well, not it, addressing, you know, issues that are, are are looming as far as like, okay, like I have I have to compensate 
just by you know picking things up with lightweight. Like I, I, if you don't notice the fact that you already have an asymmetrical shift to begin with when you squat or all these kinds of things, mm-hmm. like this is where it really exaggerates it when you start doing deadlifts and well, a load. You know, and also after spending as much time as we've spent with Brink now, I, I'd I'd be uh, willing to argue that a, a lot of stuff like this is actually stemming from the foot and the and the feet totally. and working yeah. its yeah, way yeah, yeah, all, totally. the, all the way up and to- has now caused this. Yeah, if you if you if you took a video of yourself like squatting or, or deadlifting from the back, you want to pay attention to your hips, like the top of your hips, and really look closely. If it, if one is just slightly higher than the other then you have uh, an imbalance and one muscle, one side, one QL muscle or you know multifidus muscle is slightly shortened on that one side and you've created a right to left imbalance and that will cause pain, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and what will happen, what's, what, the way you can kind of tell is if your low back pain is kind of on one side, like, oh, my, ba- my low back hurts and it's more on the left than on the right, or more on the right on the left. That's a, that's a pretty good indication that it might be one of these muscles, you know, that's causing uh, this particular problem. So number one, if you're deadlifting, make sure you and you use an alternate grip. Switch sides, alternate on both grips, or learn how to use a, a hook grip. Yeah. But one of the best exercises I have ever ever done that really does a great fucking job of uh, working the QL. Um, unilaterally and uh, helping it extend and contract so working it in kind of this full range of motion during uh, rotation is the windmill Mm -hmm. I I can't think of a better exercise than doing the windmill and if you do a windmill on one side and film yourself and do the other and you notice a big difference something you can work on this was highlighted when I I mentioned I had like injured it like uh, a ways back and and just going through the whole rehab you heard it deadlifting Mm mm-hmm what happened exactly? <clears throat> a shift in, mm. in the weight. And so, um, yeah, like my body tried to overcompensate and then I, I felt like an immediate burn and like, like searing pain. So mm. dropped it. But, um, yeah, so just working my way back up, that was the one move that took me forever to get reestablished mm-hmm. the windmill. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a very gradual progression. And just like Dr. Brink kind of talks about, um, going into that movement so i didn't shy away from the movement but i definitely went very gradually into increasing uh my ability as far as range of motion and reconnecting with that so it took me i mean months months to to reestablish um range of motion again and not feel pain so i didn't i didn't try and press through the pain i got to the pain backed off a little bit. So Well, something else this could be too that we didn't address is it could be hyperlordosis too. Somebody like this, um, and this is actually kind of cool because I'm going to do some stuff. Uh, I I have this. So I have this, which is like an excessive uh, arch in your low back. So, it just sticks your butt out. Yeah, So and uh, this is more common, very common with women. Uh, I have this condition myself. Uh, weak abdominals from it. Uh, my pelvis is uh, tilted excessively. And so you're already putting extra strain. So I was actually going to do like a little series of videos where I'm going to start doing some uh, corrective type exercises and movements. Mm-hmm. I've already been doing little things uh, to uh, intrinsically work and, and balance this out. And, you know, if if you have that and then you're trying to do all these other moves that the guys are talking about right now, 
this can be an issue. Like you need to address uh, getting yourself back into a more neutral position uh, before we're doing yeah. these ro- rotating moves. No, that's a great point. And like, uh, yeah, rotating. I remember too. Even I just intuitively like like straight away a little bit from the rotation of it because uh, I mean that puts a lot more additional stress that you don't really need. Uh, you just need to kind of strengthen the recruitment pattern mm-hmm. and even it out more. Mm-hmm. So doing like the bridging and uh, a lot of stuff like that where, uh, you know, I can control it a bit more before really uh, putting torsion on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's I mean, that's important that you bring that up. And you yeah. can regress. You can regress a, a windmill quite a bit. Like instead of doing a windmill with a kettlebell or dumbbell uh, or even with no weight, an easy way to do this would just take a wide stance, get a stick put a stick, you know, kind of in front of you and between your legs and one hand supinated at the bottom, one hand uh, pronated at the top or at least facing neutral and slide that bottom hand down. So then you're reaching up towards the top of the stick with one arm and touching or reaching down with the other arm. So you're getting into that windmill position mm-hmm. and, and, and work with your range of motion. If you're in pain, like Justin was saying, you go to that edge and then come out of it, go to that edge and come out of it and then switch sides. And that's a real nice guide that'll help you kind of get that that bend and rotation that I have found to be so uh, beneficial for uh, quadratus lumborum. As far as the multifidus is concerned, that's one of those deep erector spinae muscles. And uh, in my experience, when people tend to injure and pull that muscle, it's because they're uh, hip flexor dominant, um, and mm. their their core muscles, their deep core muscles, are not activating. So they got to uh, learn how to disengage hip flexors and activate more of the core. Yeah, and, and abdominals. Yeah, we actually have a YouTube video on our YouTube channel, Mind Pump TV, and I think you can find it by just putting in uh, hip flexor deactivator. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's an exercise that I demo that's really good because it, it kind of ch- it helps change the recruitment pattern so that the deep muscles of your core activate a little bit more effectively and, and kind of help with that hip flexor dominance so that you don't you don't place yourself in a position where you, you may injure your back or at least be a higher risk of injuring your back. Then there's some stretches you could do. Like I could stand on a, a block or something with one foot so one leg kind of hangs off, keep both legs straight. And then uh, I let that leg that's off the block come down while reaching over my head in the opposite direction. So I'm kind of stretching the side of my body, if you will. Maybe do a video of this. Maybe we can record a video later, Doug. So it's because it's hard to explain. That's a good, very easy, basic releasing uh, QL stretch. Mm -hmm. So next question. Live to train forever. How to manage two conflicting sports? For example, I power lift and do taekwondo. You know, uh, something very similar. This is a very, this is a good this is a good question, though. It's a very good uh, question. I, I think you have to consider the following: if you plan on excelling uh, at a competitive level in a particular <laughs> sport, you're going to have to under you're going to have to relegate yourself to the fact that you're not going to be able to be really good at other sports uh, unless well. you're an anomaly. But, I mean, some of them exist. Yeah, like Bo like, Jackson or, or yeah. Juji Mufu. Yeah. He's a perfect example of an anomaly. He's a perfect example of somebody who has this unbelievably, unbelievably flexible dexterity um, coordination, and then he's got huge muscles like a bodybuilder. That's, that is so rare to find somebody who can live in both those worlds. <laughs> somebody who normally is that big and muscular is definitely lost 
a lot of their mobility and flexibility. So well, even they're very we, conflicting. Yeah, but even when we asked him, he said how, you know, he does what he calls tricking, where he does his like flips and kicks and mm-hmm. stuff. He even said if he oh, yeah, wanted to get much better at that, he yeah, would have his to. Weight, his weight's already hindered it. Yeah, he'd have but, to. But I mean, drop he's a, he, what I mean that he's he's proven you can do it. Yeah, so yeah. you can be somebody who, you know, does uh, taekwondo and is a power lifter. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, there is going to be a give and take. 100%. That's exactly you know, right. No, yeah. no matter what, and I think depending on your genetics would d- depend on uh, which is probably going to uh, hinder you more. Right. Mm-hmm. So like maybe he's somebody who is pretty flexible and mobile and has in quick reaction so taekwondo he's going to be pretty good at naturally powerlifting he's weaker and so he's had to work on that more or vice versa which one do you want to be better at right yeah that's the question you have to ask yourself and then after you figure that out like i mean one's going to take more precedence than the other until then it's like you know you can kind of pull it off i mean it's you can get the great like CNS response from powerlifting. I mean, that's great for like recruitment and power, but at the same time, you know, it's get, like all those movements eventually they're going to restrict a lot of you know that 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 flexible freedom that you're going to have it, working on that. If I was programming for someone like this, I would incorporate like our fortification sessions. So what I would do is I would train like my powerlifting and then afterwards I would be doing like my taekwondo. So I'd powerlift first since that's going to be the, the most yeah. demand on your central nervous system and strength. Mm-hmm. And then post, I would do things that would complement my taekwondo. So whether that be flexibility training or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that or particular moves that I'm working on, I would follow that up right after I'm done powerlifting. I would incorporate that in, yeah, the, just in between. High emphasis on mobility. I mean, just to, just to maintain that type of a movement that you need for Taekwondo because it's so, I mean, Taekwondo is extreme as far as like movement is concerned. Like a lot of people can't pick their leg up. They can't, you know, do these types of moves that, uh, I mean, head kicks and all these types of things like you can't get that kind of range of motion unless you are always working on yeah in taekwondo it it, it, it's very beneficial to be light uh because of the the moves and the positions it's very aerial it's a very aerial martial art you want to be very nimble um on your feet and and powerlifting there are weight classes but you're just trying to lift uh, as much weight as possible off the floor and so some size and muscle is going to benefit you i'll tell you what i mean your best bet really is if you don't care if you're not like Hey, I want to be excellent, you know, and competitive at both. And you're just like, I just enjoy doing both. And just go ahead and do both. And yeah. if you mm-hmm. like one of them more than the other, then that's the one you do more. If you want to be competitive in one of them, then that becomes the central focus of your routine. And then utilize the other one uh, in uh, beneficial ways or in ways that are yeah. going to contribute. So, like, if I'm a Taekwondo, if, if you decide, hey, I'm going to do Taekwondo, that's what I want to compete in. But I love powerlifting, but really my focus is Taekwondo. Well, now you can program your powerlifting to benefit your Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. So you're not going in there to become like, to, to be the best. You phase it in and out. You phase it in a way to where you can use it to benefit your Taekwondo. And then, and then, and then flip, right? If, yeah. if it's the other way around and powerlifting is like your number one focus, uh, you can take your Taekwondo mobility and, and agility and program it. It will and, benefit you. It'll yeah. benefit you if you program it in, the, in that particular way. If both of them are important, then, then do both of them. And, and you know, enjoy that's, them. it reminds me of when I went through this transition of, uh, you know, getting into bodybuilding um, from playing basketball. I mean, I fucking love basketball. I played basketball until I was 30 years old. 
and didn't want to give it up because I enjoyed it so much. But there became a time where, and you know, all the way through my 20s, I played basketball and I lifted weights. Mm-hmm. But then there came a time where it's like, okay, if I'm going to be competitive at this bodybuilding thing or I'm actually going to build a physique to compete with the best, this is really conflicting with what I'm trying to do. Oh, it's yeah. just very, very hard for me to manage the calories, very, very hard for me to train hard, then go play basketball. Like, so what happened was basketball got kind of pushed to the wayside a little bit, mm-hmm. but I still incorporated it to like ramp up calorie expenditure or take some days off of lifting. So I would interject some ball playing like that, you know, so for sure my ball playing. I don't know how many times I've said that, <laughs> you know, my ball playing. got, got hindered, uh, while, while I was progressing in, in bodybuilding. So you most certainly can do both. I think that's great advice. What Sal said though, as far as, mm-hmm. you know, deciding that one of them becomes a pri- if you want to excel in it, right. If you yeah. just want to be pretty good at both, you can definitely be pretty good at both with, by having good balance of training in both. Well, I tried when I played you know, three sports, basketball, football, baseball. And uh, going from football to basketball was such a stark contrast. Mm-hmm. Like, it took me the entire season to finally get my shot back because the training was so rigorous. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, w- I was, like, literally building a shell to to produce a, a certain type of, of power and, and movement that I was seeking. Uh, with football. And so like for me now, I have to go to more of a skill uh, to where I, I'm running and I'm sprinting like constantly. So even just the conditioning of it was a hard transition. But then, you know, just that skill and that constant repetitive mov- movement that I needed uh, to improve my shot, like that takes a lot of time and, and patterns. So yeah. uh, just consider that. Like if you want to be really good at Taekwondo, you need a lot of time and patterning uh, to be awesome at that. And then, you know, the, the more time you spend in powerlifting, it's going to diminish. So Trev Goble, how do you handle clients with low motivation? It's a good question. It is. And I used to have, I used to struggle with this in the early years of my, you know, personal training because I was under the impression like most trainers are when they first get started, that my job is to Get this person in shape, whether they like it or not. Get your ass in here, motivate you, make you become what you say you want to become. Um, and I'm the I'm the guy to do it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I'm gonna motivate you. You got to just do it. It's you know you got to grind, show up. It's hard work. If you really want this, this is what you have to do. Uh, and I didn't truly understand or appreciate the psyche of normal people. And what I mean by that is I'm a trainer. I'm a fitness professional. I love fitness. And so for me, it's like when when someone says to me, like, I can't, oh, it's so hard for me to get motivated to make it the gym two or three days a week. It didn't fucking make sense to me. It's like, just do it. Just wake up in the morning and just fucking do it. Mm -hmm. You got to make the time. Like there's no excuses. And you hear that a lot. You hear a lot of these rants of these trainers saying that to people like, no excuses. It's your fault. Get up off your ass. But there's a completely different psyche um, that's involved. And it really hit me when I had a client who uh, just, she was unmotivated, she would come in, she'd show up a little late, you know, this was during my early years when I would train people hard, because that's what I thought everybody needed, and uh, she'd miss a workout here and there, and I, one day I had a come to Jesus talk with her, is what I used to call these, and I sat her down, and I said, look, how bad do you want this? Because you told me you want to lose, I don't remember what it was, 20 pounds or whatever, and now you're, you're, you're coming in, you're half-assing it, 
You're not pushing yourself. You're not doing all the things that I'm telling you to do. And I need to know if you're serious or not. Because if you're not serious, then I don't want you to waste my time. And she left. She never came back. And I ran into her uh, a few years later. And uh, she, didn't, she, she was in worse shape than before. Um, and, Way to go, bro. And Exactly. That, that was my thought. Like, uh, There's two things I could have thought. I could have either seen her be out of shape and said, ah, see, fucking lazy, not going to. Mm. Or I could have looked at and said, wow, I really didn't help anything. Like there was no, my, if, my, if, my, if, the, if the outcome that I wanted was to get her to add fitness into her life and change some things, I failed miserably. But at the time, I thought I was being awesome, right? Like, you better, you know, do this or not, or I'm not going to help you. Yeah. And so Ultimatums. I, exactly. And so I learned that, you know, if I have a client that shows up once a week, and in that once a week, we do a lot of hanging out and talking, and uh, I do some things that they enjoy, and then sometimes I throw in things that I know that are really going to benefit them. But- They've been coming for five years once a week, whereas before they did nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's better than nothing. It's a lot better than nothing. I'm making a positive impact in that person's fitness, and I'm creating, I'm helping them create a relationship with exercise to where it's not this dreadful, horrible, shitty thing that they have to do. So Yeah, that's totally what you create. Exactly. When you come in and you're just a hard ass about like these, these arbitrary numbers and all these things, like you have to make it at least three times a week. Or you're sucking at life, you know. It's just like what what is that? What good does that do to somebody who's not even there once? And so this I doesn't make any sense. I realize like part of my job is to create a situation, an environment, and a relationship with this person to where they love to show up. Okay, that they enjoy so much uh, showing up that that'll override their previous notions of hating exercise. And eventually, that'll create a good relationship with exercise. When I made that final transition, which was probably a few years into my personal training, it took me a while to figure this out, my member and client retention rate skyrocketed. And my ability to impact their long-term success to where even if I didn't work with them, I found them continue, you know, they continued on with fitness skyrocketed. Now I became extremely effective uh, with with my clients because they'd show up and like, like I would have clients show up especially in the beginning when you first start training someone who fucking hates exercise and just hate you know they just have a negative uh, you know relationship with exercise and just can't stand the whole thing they have a negative body image you know uh, bad body image issues with themselves I'd have sometimes I'd have clients come in and I could just see it on their face they don't want to be there had a tough day at work and I'll ask them I'll say how are you feeling today They're like oh, I feel crappy I really don't want to be here and I'll say you know what you want to just go for a walk outside? Let's just go for a walk outside and, and talk a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, t- one of two things would happen. Either A, they'd be like, well, am I going to be wasting my time? And i say, no, we're moving. And if you feel like halfway through our walk, like you're feeling better, then we'll do some exercises. But you're still here. You're still moving. Um, and that's the first step. Yeah. And uh, or, or number two, they're super right off the bat like, wow, I can do that. That's great. And people stopped canceling. People started becoming more motivated to show up. It was this phenomenal thing. So that, for me, yeah. was one of the most effective things I ever did. Well, I think, too, uh, the, with this question, you know, how do you handle clients with low motivation? Well, the, the first thing is, like, you really have to have a deeper conversation with them. And you need to, you need to dig a little bit deeper and find out, you know, what's going on at home, you know, what's going on at work. Like, like what, 
what are the barriers that are sort of like they're already putting in place of like why the gym is this like uh you know enemy to them or like why you know this feels like like something that like they're not like fully bought into the concept of it yet um or just you know really just like ask them more questions and then uh you know see see what things that like they they respond to the best like my i'm always just constantly trying to read them their body language uh where i see sparks and where i don't see sparks and so i'm trying to play and move off of all those kind of cues and and just get more in tune with that well i I really like this question because um this uh, uh this reminds me a lot of like um leadership and the same type of rules that i would apply with my staff and this took me uh something sal says a couple of years it took me quite a while in my career before i really put this together and and i noticed it not only in my my clients but even my staff and in in that leadership role because motivating people to do something that you ultimately want them to do um, can be challenging. And w- one of the things that, you know, when you were, when I'd be leading a staff that, you know, I talked to the, about this before on the podcast about finding out what people are good at and making them great. And that was some of the single best advice for business. And when I realized that there were a lot of parallels with that, with uh, training clients, like it was like this light bulb went off. I was like, oh shit. Okay. Well, I, I forgot that, you know, for a trainer, for people that are into health and fitness, like we love this shit. Like mm-hmm. we love learning and getting like being not so good at it and getting better and that we're already intrinsically motivated. And, you know, that's not your client. Very few clients come in like that where they're like super motivated and a big part of your job is to motivate them. And so one of the things I think about is like, okay, well, what is it like for me when I'm learning a sport or learning something maybe I'm not as excited about? And I'll use golf as an example because I didn't want to fucking learn how to golf. I was golfing because my best friends did it. And I remember like trying to learn how to golf and listening to them teach me. And I was so fucking frustrated because of all the information that they were giving me and telling me to do. And I was just like, ah, and then I'd feel like I'd figure one thing out and then regress and think like your clients are the same way too. Like you're, you're feeding them all this nutrition information, all these, all this muscle information, all this workout information, all this cardio information, all this supplement information, you know, and then you're on top of that, trying to hold them accountable to do all this stuff and change habits that they've been doing in their lives for 40 years. That's a lot of fucking information for them to absorb and then to be motivated to do it. So something that helped me was to really regress all of that and, and to find little wins, find little things that I could focus on because just like I'm sure anybody in here has ever, ever dealt with is like, when you start to like win at something or do well at it, that in itself is very motivating. And sometimes as trainers, we, we take for granted some of the most simplest things that we do out of habit or that we found really easy for us to pick up. And we just expect that of our clients. And in reality, a client just making the habits of getting up and fucking walking every day for an hour is a huge feat for them. You know, like they were, they just before they hired you, they were walking, you know, maybe a total of 4,000 steps in the day. And now all of a sudden you're telling them to do all this training. You want them to diet all perfectly. You want them to do all this shit and they can't, that's a lot. And and then they keep failing and then they get demotivated. So I, and this is why when I first take somebody on, I don't give them instruction at first. All I want to do is I want to assess and I want to see what they do. I want to see 
how much they move. I want to see how they eat. I want to see how many times they would get to the gym if they would even get to the gym without me telling them to get to the gym. And then from there, I'm going to make these little micro adjustments so they can win. Mm -hmm. So they can come back to me at the end of the week and be like, hey, guess what, Adam? I went for a walk for 30 minutes and I made sure to do those three stretches that you taught me and this and that. I'm like, fuck yeah, great job. You know, so they, you start give, you start adding up these wins and you start increasing, increasing what you're challenging them by small increments. And you'll see that you'll get much further with your clients than laying out all the plans in front of them. It's like when I, my buddies were teaching me golf and it was like your hips, your wrist, your head, your, your arms, your forearms, the way you follow through your eyes. It's just like, Holy fuck. This yeah. is just one step at a time. There's so much for me to absorb. And and some clients, they'll get it, right? You'll give them nutrition, you'll give them the exercise, you'll give them all the stuff, and they'll go do it. But that's not most clients. Most clients are gonna fight you, are gonna whine, are gonna complain, are gonna struggle, are not gonna be motivated. And so you gotta find these little victories for them. And the only way that you can do that is to really assess and figure out where they were or where they're currently at before they hired you. And then you, when you give them stuff, you give them small, mm-hmm. achievable goals to help build some momentum for them. Isn't it interesting, too, how, like, the wording changes, too? So, like, I used to uh, break somebody down, like, with their assessment. And then, like, afterwards, we'd kind of talk about it. And then I would always highlight the neg- like what they were incapable of. And, uh, and then I caught myself, you know, one day. I'm just like, yeah, you know, that that's valuable information. But, I mean, that's... Who who benefits from that more? You know, mm-hmm. me, me, me coaching them, and, and and like learning that about that person. Whereas they learn it, but they learn that there's an answer to it. You know, and like I'm highlighting the fact of the positive elements of like how their body will feel, uh, how all these things are going to line up. You know, how this is going to build strength overall. Like you know, more of those points versus like you know, you can't do this. You know, you suck at this. Uh, you know, I'm going to help you and fix you. Yeah, and, a, a, per, a person is going to show up. The average client is going to hire you and show up to the gym, and they're going to hate. They they already hate exercise. They already started that way. Like I I don't like this. Uh, I don't know how to do this. That's why I'm hiring someone. I can't be motivated to do this on my own. That's why I'm hiring someone. These are, the, by the way, the top things that someone will will say if you ask them, "Why did you hire a trainer?" These are the top things. I won't do it on my own. I don't know what I'm doing. I hate exercise. I don't enjoy it. So you got to ask you got to ask them why don't they like the exercise? Number one, probably didn't work for them. It's hard work. Uh, it's not enjoyable. They show up. It's painful. It sucks. It's something they're not good at. So you get your job then is to make it enjoyable. Make it something that they enjoy doing. Make it uh, you know make them realize when they show up they they, they say to themselves like oh I could do this mm-hmm. and they can do this. But but they can't do it if the first fucking you know workouts are like if you're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at them. Mm-hmm. All you're gonna do is reinforce to them that this sucks, and I can't do this. This is something I can't do. You got to go, like Adam was saying, one small step at a time. But you know, I have a client who now has been consistent. I don't. I haven't worked with her uh, for a year now, right? Since I since we left uh, our our previous jobs. But when she came to hire me. First off, I was a last resort. She had done every everything else. She had pain. And uh, the reason why she came to hire me was because she hurt. Her chiropractor had referred her to me. But she came to me and she literally said to me, I'm only going to meet with you once a week and I don't want to do this. Those are exact words. I don't want to do this. This is my last resort and I'm not coming more than once a week. And so I said, no problem. 
we'll work with we'll work with once a week. I don't, I don't need more than once a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, at right for right now, because you're doing nothing. Once a week is more than that. Once I explained that to her, she was like, "Okay, that sounds good." Because I could have said, "Oh well, once a week's nothing. You might as well not do anything." Which which is what the previous yeah. physical therapists and trainers had told her, which totally crapped her out. And I said, "No, once a week's fine." That's better than it's more than zero times a week, and there's a lot we can do with that because you're in a very deconditioned state. Mm-hmm. Number two, when she'd show up, uh, I made sure that she enjoyed it. And one of the things that she, and this is just this was her personally, she liked to have good conversation. So we'd have really good, stimulating conversation. And after about five months of being consistent, you know, she told me she says, you know what, Sal? She goes, I still don't like exercise. She goes, but I show up here because I like to hang out with you. <clears throat> and I knew I knew it was a matter of time. It's a matter of fucking time before she enjoys exercise because that connection is naturally made. She's showing up, hanging out with me, enjoys hanging out with me. She just, as a side effect, is exercising because that's what I'm doing with her. Before she's going to realize it, those two connections are going to happen. And sure enough, they did. Uh, now her pain started getting better. She could move more. And I didn't say shit. I didn't tell her, you need to come in more than once a week. I left it. Once a week, we'll do this forever if that's all you ever want to do. She came to me. It was about six or seven months later. Hey, do you think uh, Do you think if I worked out an extra day a week that I would progress a little faster? I said, well, absolutely. I said, I know you, you initially said you only wanted to come once a week, but definitely, you would definitely accelerate uh, your progress. You've already been with me for six months, once a week. Your body's ready for an extra day a week. Why don't we try it out um, and just add an extra day here and there and see if you like it? And she became very consistent because she enjoyed it. Now she's connecting her progress, how she's feeling to the fact that she likes coming to the gym. And we did this over the course of a couple years. She started exercising on her own. This is a woman that never in a million fucking years would do any form of exercise on her own ever. She couldn't stand it. Now she's asking me for exercise to do on her own. She's doing stretches on her own. She's uh, working with nutrition, which she told me in the very beginning was off limits. I'm not, I'm not doing nutrition. Don't even bother talking with me about it. Now she's doing nutrition. Now she's noticing the benefits of that. Uh, fast forward, I don't know, two and a half years later, I sell that facility, right? We're doing mind pump full time. So now I'm, ha- I'm, I'm, referring her to another very, very good trainer. And uh, she's still consistent. She's still doing this. She's still working on her own. This is like, you know, three years later. And this is a woman, again, who was very open, like, I ain't doing this and I can't stand this. That's a huge victory. Had I uh, tackled that with my previous methods of, look, that's a waste of time. You got to commit yourself. You got to come in. You got to work out. That's what this is all about. Don't waste your time. She would have never done it. It would have never worked. She'd be in much worse, uh, worse shape in terms of her pain and you know, uh, you know, her, her fitness. It would have been a huge loss. So this is actually one of my favorite parts about being a trainer. I love this challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I find this is also what got me into uh, leadership roles. Is just I loved figuring out the little things that make everybody tick because everyone is so unique. You know, there is no like one exact answer for this person. Like, how do you motivate an unmotivated person? Well, fuck, everybody is motivated different. I know for sure in general, one of the biggest mistakes I made as a trainer was giving too much too fast to somebody, assuming that everybody could handle all that at once, you know, because it it didn't seem like a lot to me, but it is. It's a lot for some people like Sal saying like, you know, some people one workout a week is like this, this whole new thing. And honestly, like, 
that that's your job, man. This is your job as a trainer. If everybody came in motivated and easy, and we all talked as trainers, like, oh yeah, I love training athletes. You know, nothing like training somebody who shows up like I got a fucking goal in six months. I got to be. That's yeah, easy. Yeah, I mean those <laughs> those people are like, tell me what to Piece do. I'm gonna do it. In fact, the hard, the thing that you got to do with those people is actually rein them back in, right? Because they're yep. more than likely gonna overdo things, and you're more worried about them overtraining or overdoing it. So you're constantly reining them yeah, back they're in. Annoying. Yeah, right. So that's a that's an easy client to train but in reality most people are busy high stress family kids overweight emotional issues you know all kinds of stuff going on inside them and you know i i really enjoyed this process of trying to learn like how do i become this great coach that could get this person who's got all these issues going on to win how do that how would i get them to win and you know starting with small incremental goals that you give them and you know and celebrating those celebrating those small victories and and getting them motivated i mean i really uh i i take that on as a challenge i used to love getting, i mean my when before i was in leadership and i was just a trainer my bosses always gave me the hardest client like if someone signed up and they were the pain in the ass client that complained or had all you know there's always that person who signs up and they have like all these i don't want to do this i won't do this i don't know and i want this and i want that and i'm like, allergic to late all of a sudden i get i'd get a call over the loudspeaker uh adam to the I front desk please adam to the loud adam to the front desk please and then i come up and be like hey we got this client for you she don't want to do this she doesn't like this she doesn't, i'm like oh awesome you know but that i like that i like that challenge of this isn't going to be easy. I'm going to have to figure out how to get this person going and what makes them tick. And, you know, you just got to you got to take it on as a trainer, as a challenge instead of writing them off and like, oh, they're a bad client. Oh, they're never going to see results. No, just because they're not motivated like you're motivated. It's not it's not that at all. It's just that you got to figure it out to to try. And that's the fun part is mm-hmm. taking somebody who probably thought they would never be someone who loved to work out and like doing this shit. And six months after being with you, they now have found a new love and passion for health and fitness. And it's our jobs as fitness leaders to to be able to do it, which is also why Mind Pump is so hard on the fitness community and the fitness industry because there's a lot of bad motherfuckers out there. There's a lot of bad people out there that are giving bad information that they think they're inspiring because they do all these cool photos of their shirts off and, you know, beast mode this and talk all about this and hype all this. It's like, no, like that ain't real. That ain't real people. Real people don't see that, get motivated, work out, change their life. Now, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, real people are dealing with all kinds of real stresses, real shit going on, are not motivated to go to the gym. They're paying you because <laughs> they can't do it themselves. And because a video online doesn't hype them up enough to get on there and get to the gym. So that's your job as a trainer is to figure that shit out. Healthy, happy, and free. What are your worst habits and how do you tackle them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. God. Tell you what, uh, so I used to have, I don't know if you call it a habit, uh, but I mean, I guess you could. I am notoriously, I don't know, call me ADD or, you know, I'm, I, I hyper focus on what's in front of me and everything else I forget. But this was a big problem for me when I first uh, got into management um, in, in fitness. You know, I became a, a, a manager at a very young age. I was 19. Uh, or had just turned 20, I think, when I managed my first gym. And the reason why I was promoted so early was because I was this big top producer. But there's a big difference between being a top producer and then having to manage a, a massive staff. And I could have just been the top producer and my clubs would have always done well, but it would have been a lot of it on my shoulders. 
which uh, initially was was how you know it worked. But you know, once you got to bigger and bigger and more difficult situations, you know, I quickly realized like I need to, to be be able to really develop a team around me, and that required me to have you know a higher level of uh, organizational skills at least, or you know, being able to think uh, and act. Uh, you know, more than just what's in front of me. Instead of putting out fires, you know, all the time, I had to kind of prevent them. And so the way I tackled this was, because I was notorious, right? Uh, I'd get some paperwork or, or I'd get instruction from my district manager. Sal, I need these statistics or whatever. Okay, no problem. Those will happen. Pfft, they'll never happen because I'm focused on what's happening in front of me. That, you know, particular paperwork or whatever gets buried and I just didn't do it. And I got away with it because I would produce but like I said, I got in these bigger clubs and I had to figure it out. And so someone taught me, one of my my early mentors taught me, the second it touches your hands, take care of it. As soon as you get it, do it that second because that's how you operate. And so rather than trying to change how I operated, you know, really f- change fundamentally how my brain worked, which is a big, that's a very tough thing to tackle. Like I have to completely change how I operate. What I did was I just used that, uh, that the way I operated and just kind of uh, managed around it or at least used it to my advantage. So the second someone handed something to me, Sal, we need these statistics. Boom, I do them that second. Sal, you need to call this member because boom, I do it this second. Uh, and when I started doing this, I never had a backlog. I became far more organized because I was able to handle shit right that second. And I extended this to other parts of my life because this particular bad habit, uh, it showed up in other ways like, I would lose shit all the time. Like I put my keys down. Where the fuck are my keys? I don't know where they are anymore. I lose my wallet. Oh God, where is it? And it would take me 30 minutes to find it. And it was very frustrating. I want to kill everybody around me. And so I started to tell myself that there's a special place that I put my shit down. There's only one place I put my stuff. I still do that to this day. You guys will notice in the studio when we record, my bag is in the same fucking place every single time. The reason why I do that is I develop that, that strategy because I lose shit. So I always have a designated place where my keys, my wallet, my shit goes. That's where it always goes, and that's where it's always going to be. So that's that's how I tackled one of the worst habits that I that I've had, uh, and uh, you know, my entire life that just plagued me. Wow, this is a little uh, self reflection for us here, huh? Reveal. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. My worst habits: um, being present, sharing my feelings, and Diet Coke. Oh. Those are my three. So Just wrapping them off like that, huh? Yeah. Uh, being present. Sharing your feelings? Yeah. Being present. Oh, you don't show your feelings? Yeah. Oh, okay. Being present. I don't, I'm not present a lot. Oh, sharing that's my feelings. a bad thing? Sharing my feelings. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. And then the Diet Coke. So uh, being present is uh, is a tough one for me. I'm definitely a, a cerebral person. I'm a major thinker. I can't send, I can't tend to, I can't seem to, like can't even fucking talk because I'm my head somewhere else right now. I can't seem to focus on one thing at a time. I'm always, uh, if I'm doing something, I'm also thinking about something else that needs to get done. So that's a, a major issue that I have. And it's, uh, it hinders a lot of stuff, projects that I need to complete or get done. So, um, and part of what I've done to tackle that is, you know, kind of where I'm at currently right now with, you know, meditation and uh, breathing techniques and shutting off my electronics by seven o'clock. So these are all habits that I'm trying to create for myself that are is definitely helping. I mean, I've seen a, a lot of progress in the last few months that I've been implementing those things. And uh, it does take practice for me, though. I really have to, 
you know, try and focus on uh, being mindful and being present to what's going on right now. So that is something. And do you organize it? What do you mean? Like, do you say to yourself, like, okay, this is something new for me, being present. Do you say, okay, at night, this is my routine to be present? Or, like, do you, are you scheduling it to try and get it into? Well, I'm scheduling it, like, this 7 o'clock thing. So I verbalized it so, like, Katrina knows this. Okay. So, like, let's say I come home. Like, this happened last night. And uh, I got home from work to come home and work some more. And it was like 6.30 and she's like, you know, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to go to my mom's or I'm going to shower. You know, what's your plan tonight? Like, are you going to work all night? I'm like, no, I, I got 30 minutes, you know, 30 more minutes. And then I disconnect. Like I promise that. Sometimes I try to disconnect earlier, but at seven, I will actually take my phone, go upstairs, set my alarm for the morning, for my next morning, uh, you know, alarm, plug it in. And then I'm away from it. I'm done. I'm done. No more responses to texts. No more getting online, seeing where the business is at. None of that bullshit. So I'm done. So that's what I've done for, uh, you know, my home life and, and becoming more present and my relationship and things like that. Uh, and which is kind of neat because that also carries over into the sharing my feelings thing. So I'm really bad at that. I'm really, I'm like the guy who doesn't like writing cards and, and doing shit like that. So, and that's taken practice for me. Like I have to, um, and I, and I think this is okay. I have an awesome partner who, uh, you know, we have great communication. I've been, she knows that I fucking suck at this. Mm. So she totally appreciates when I do these things. Cause she knows that it wasn't like natural for me. You know, I'm going to be honest. It's a shocking one to me that you said that oh, sharing really? your feelings. I wouldn't have guessed that. Because I'm because I'm a communicator and I'm open. Well, because I've seen you, I've seen you share your feelings. You've said things, you yeah. know. And it, it must be certain situations where you feel like you you, uh, you more so with like women, right? Oh, and yeah. in, and family, family and women, like oh, you know, okay. like my 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 love, like I'll share like this, like be like I I have no problem with uh, humbling myself and humanizing myself and making fun of myself and being open and sharing like that. Uh, but sharing my feelings of, of love and, and compassion and like my, my family and my relationship with Katrina, uh, this is just something that uh, love was shared with me differently as a child. And so I've been trained up a certain way, which is also why uh, anybody who's known me for a long time that um, the best way or the habit that I've created for a long time is uh, financially. I mean, and you guys have experienced this already, you know, the time that we've been together, you know, I'm the one who randomly buys things for each, for us and does stuff like that with, with money. That's my way of showing you that I love you. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, but instead of expressing it, which would be a lot cheaper and smarter. Right. So <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying well, to, maybe, maybe we don't fix that. <laughs> right? oh, but, some diamonds. You know, when you're in a, you, when you're in a relationship, these are things that you, uh, you have to be aware of and you have to, to learn to do that. Otherwise you're going to have a miserable partner. I happen to have a partner that understands this and knows my, my upbringing and is patient with me. And, and, and it goes a long way when I do those little things. So a lot of that's just out of habit. I actually, I know when the last time that I bought a card and flowers and I brought it to her and I had to, for quite some time there, like make it like a scheduled thing. Like you're saying, like, it's like, okay, hey, don't ever let, you know, two months go by where you haven't bought flowers or got a card. And so, you know, when I first started, it was like I had to put reminders to do that where now it's just a hat. Like now I've created a good habit. Now I know like so long has gone by. I haven't done something like that. Make sure I swing by, pick up flowers, grab a card, sit down, write something. You know what I'm saying? And just, and once I do it, I'm okay. Like once I start writing, it's not like I'm like writer's block. Oh my God, I don't know what to say. Like it's just that act. Like mm -hmm. I just, it's not a natural thing for me to like do these type of things. So 
um, the 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 scheduling or the reminders. This really this reminds me too. Even like I I brought up uh, one of the best things I ever did with my staff, which was setting these alarms to go and praise them. Like I had to do that. Like I needed the reminder to create that habit. Now once I'd done that for a, a long enough time, that became part of my leadership. Like I just do that now. Now if you ever work for me. I know how powerful that is because I've seen the benefits from it. I know that, man, when I walk over and I touch someone on the shoulder and I tell them, you know, what a great job they're doing, it's fucking unreal uh, the, what that does for loyalty with your your staff. Well, you know, different with your partner, right? So these this is something that um, I'm consistently working on. Um, I'm far from good at it, but uh, I, I, I definitely recognize it, and, and I'm those are the habits that I'm trying to create to to better that. And then the Diet Coke thing is, Jesus you know, that's just an addiction problem. That's just flat out. You know, when I competed, Diet Cokes were something that I used as my, uh, like my sweet tooth because I was eating such a fucking plain, plain diet for so long that like a Diet Coke seemed like I was having the biggest treat in the world. And so because I would allow that in through the uh, first six out of the eight to 10 weeks that I'd be cutting for a show because I cut it out eventually, but it would be a part of it. Um, you know, my body craves it. And so now, like I switched over to the green Cokes a long time ago where I'm getting at least cane sugar and stevia instead of all that fucking aspartame. But still, it's not something that it's fucking worthless calories to me. And I know that my body's addicted to it. So like, you know, what I do to handle that, like Katrina and I will buy like we'll buy a six pack, you know, and that's got to last me. You know, I won't go out of my way to go buy it somewhere else or go get it. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll let myself have it. And then eventually what I do is if I know that it's been like, you know, four or five times that we've grocery shopped in a row where I've been allowing that, then I go, it's all tea from here. Okay. I'm switching over to tea and I'm going to get that out of my system completely. One thing I've always been really good about is recognizing if I have some sort of an addiction or a habit that's not good for me that I've created, I, I do a pretty good job of not letting it take control of my life. And that's probably because I've been around a lot of addiction. I've dealt with a lot of clients that have addiction. So I right away notice it in myself if I see myself heading down that path. And then I also don't try and freak out and demonize it and make it a big ordeal. It's just that, hey, this is not the most ideal thing I could be putting in my body. Mm. It's worthless calories. You know, uh, I just got on the kick with the Ronja Patrick shakes where I was making those. That was a great replacement to that. So it gave me something else to be drinking and focusing on than drinking the Diet Coke. So these are the three main ones that I can think of. Mm. Yeah. That better have been enough time for you to come up with some. No, I've had I've had it here for a while, then I lost it. <laughs> then it came back, and then I lost it. Now I got it. No, it's um, procrastination is one of them. Okay, this is one that's sort of been part of the way that I get through any sort of deadline, any sort of school uh, project, uh, any project in general. Like it, I tend to wait till it gets super intense, and then to tackle it. So. Uh, you know, that's one of them, uh, procrastination. The other one, like, it's very similar to like a lot of what you guys bring up. I think that's why we're all kind of alike, like being present and, uh, you know, being a, more mentally available, you know, at home or, or for my friends or for my family or whatever, anything besides work. Uh, like I, I tend to have to actually consciously, um, switch gears and then be, and then live in that gear for that moment. And, um, <clears throat> And then the other one was just like caring about things that I need to care about that a lot of times I don't. And what I mean about that is like, basically like there's, there's things like I know that I I could be doing, like whether it's at home or 
you know, with my body or, or, you know, if I'm eating a certain way or just like, you know, like lots of things that like are, are keeping up, keeping my car and, you know, and like handling all these, these like very, uh, task oriented, uh, types of things. I know I should be tackling every single day and just notching off my list and just being really organized. And, um, I've, I've, I've learned, and I don't know if this is just, you know, my, I've adapted to this to where there's a certain totem pole of things that, you know, are, are on my priority list for the day. And, you know, and then I just, I tend to stay within like three things and I smash those things mm. and the, everything else underneath that just, just gets washed away. Like I just, I can't seem to like take on more of those, those items to, to keep everything else in balance and in check. So uh, one thing that I've done is, is to sort of reorganize the structure of that. And I've realized that like, wow, I am just so consumed with these two, three things in my day. And that is all I've thought about all day. And so I've, I've started to sort of mentally check myself and then, um, kind of go down the list and, uh, I've even written it down sometimes and that's helped as far as like things that I should be concerned about and things that like I can like visually look at it or just mentally think about, um, you know, have I, have I done something for my wife, you know, and, and helped her out in some way, like right as I step in the door and not been like, Oh my God, I'm so tired and then sit down. So I was like, I'm not sitting down when I get home. That's, that's the first thing. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, there's a, a saying, what you resist persists. And, uh, it's funny, like, you know, like Adam, you said, you know, I don't make a big deal about it. And I don't say, oh, God, I need to cut this out. Like, I just may, I acknowledge it and I slowly, you know, reduce or whatever. It's, it's very, very true. Like, that, like, you know, because I tend to procrastinate too. And there's definite things that I don't, I just put off because I, I fucking hate them. And that's, that's the mentality that I get. Like, I hate it. I hate it so bad. And so I end up resisting it mm-hmm. more, which only makes it persist. It only makes it a bigger deal yeah. when I can just kind of be like, well, I don't like to do it. And, and you don't have that. to do it all at once. Yeah. And I had to teach. And so having kids like that really like, I mean, that cut out like a, a huge amount of like, uh, like any selfish time where I was like, I was just lazy to where I would like, I'm going to get to it in this sort of time period of my day. Well, now I don't have that time period of my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to really like step up my game. And so I started to just, okay, I'm looking at this itemizing it one thing, very much one thing at a time, and I'm notching something off. If I accomplished one little thing of that, I feel like you know, that, that that's way more successful for me because then it'll snowball. And then one day I may have a lot of time, but I've already put in you know, steps uh, leading up to that where it, it goes a lot faster. This I also think that like, man, talk about what people... Um this is kind of my definition too of of what like love is. Like when you find a partner that, you know, really complements these areas that you you struggle in that you are weak at and then and they enhance it. Mm-hmm. They don't make you feel worse because of it. They don't, you know, constantly bash you because of all of it. It's they learn to help you grow in this area or develop good habits or they carry some of the load. An example of that just literally this Valentine's Day you know, one of the, being present, being mindful. We've been so caught up in mind pump. I have two of my best friends' moms that literally were uh, played an intricate role of raising me along with my own mother uh, because I spent a lot of time at their houses and holidays for them. And you know, I've been so busy and disconnected that I haven't I haven't had a chance to go see them and visit them. 
And, you know, she makes an effort to uh, and she knows how important they are to me. And they know I know that when I get pressure from them because I haven't been seeing them or doing that, it affects me. It affects my mood. And instead of like bashing me because I'm, I'm, I'm failing there or that's a, a struggle for me right now, she picks up the load and, you know, she gets online and she has, you know, flowers and strawberries and chocolates and stuff like shipped to everybody and, you know, sits down while I'm in the middle of doing something else and says, hey, we got to write a card real quick for so-and-so's mom. You got to write a card for so-and-so's mom real quick and does that for me. And like, then the response that I got was just amazing. And it was like, I wouldn't have been able to do that without that partner. And I feel like, these are the things that as you get older, you start to, to realize like that's important. Like this is what's important because this is, this is who I am. I'm 35 years old. Although we all continue to evolve and grow and change, not much of me is going to change. Those will be forever probably my weak points. I've already created that as a person that I'm not going to all of a sudden be this like super organized. Can I get better? Can I do better? About Yeah, absolutely. But I am who I am. And finding somebody who complements mm-hmm. those areas, I think is just, man, talk about that helps me a lot. I feel like I wouldn't be who I am right now if it wasn't for my partner. I mean, she does so much for me to uh, accomplish what I accomplish. So I find that if you're in a relationship that isn't taking you somewhere, it reminds me of that quote that I put up a long time ago. Uh, I'll try and find it. Maybe I'll repost that. It's been a long time uh, about relationships. And if it's not taking you anywhere, it's time to abandon ship because you know you want a partner that's that's helping you in, in, in these areas that recognizes that and doesn't make you feel worst for it but makes you uh, makes you better. So I think that's an important note, thing to oh, know too. That was very touching. Thank you. Listen, if you like Mind Pump, leave us a five-star rating review on iTunes. If we like your review and we pick it, you'll get a free Mind Pump t-shirt. Also, go on Instagram right now. Find us at Mind Pump Radio. Don't forget, you can ask us questions there on our Q&A sections, and uh, we'll answer them uh, on these episodes. Also, YouTube, Mind Pump TV. We're going to post some videos. In fact, I think we should uh, film... Some uh, some of those exercises we talked about today in regards to the uh, quadrus lumborum, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can go to to uh, YouTube, look up Mind Pump TV, and you'll see all of our all of our videos. We post one video a day up on there, so it's always got new content. It's one of the best channels you could subscribe to. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.